Everybody, welcome back to Lowered Expectations. I'm here with Kyle. What up? Dylan. What up, what up? And Evan. Hey, everyone. And this month, we're actually going to switch it up for you. We've got a special edition podcast. We're going to do our Game of the Year edition. We're all going to go through and talk about a specific game that we played this year. It might not be from 2021, but it's something that we played this year that just stuck out to us as the best thing that we've played all year long. I'm excited. Are you guys excited? Hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I am actually. I've Game been, of the Year is uh, always fun. Forward to this. Mm-hmm. Did you guys play anything good? Oh, I did. I played a lot of good stuff. but I'd say I played some good games, but they kind of went downhill. Oh, is that... Like, throughout the year? Yeah? Yeah. Why would you I say mean, that? Uh, let's... Okay, so I guess we'll go to me is... Well, what, well, I wouldn't say it's not my favorite anymore. I, I have a game that's new that I've really been enjoying, but I'd say, like, I really enjoyed always playing Dead by Daylight and Overwatch, but they've progressively started getting, like, really bad to their community. I've heard so that. So it's just... Yeah. Like Dead by Daylight now is it's frustrating was they do this thing where you're in a game and now there's this glitch where people are showing that they're still in the game or you won't see someone who joins like Johnny and I have like played together and we have to constantly restart our games like multiple times before we can get into a game and then once the match is over it does that whole glitch again. Fuck that. Leave that problem back in two thousand. So it's just, so it's just a performance issue. Like that's yeah, bullshit. And, yeah. And there's been multiple addresses I've seen on Reddit, like multiple stuff, and just they do not want to talk about it. At the same time, man, like, to be honest with you, having played that game, and I haven't played it in a while, right, since they added some, I think the last killer that I saw was the Saw one, right, where they... Oh, yeah, so you're that, way behind. So I'm way behind, right? But at the same time, I've always felt about that game, like, how long can this fucking go, right? Because there's, there's just not a lot of meat to it right like it's not there's a progression system you can upgrade characters you can get different cards and stuff that you bring into matches but honestly i've always had that nagging thought in my head about that game of like i don't know how long something like this could stay around you know yeah i agree and it's the same thing goes with overwatch overwatch has progressively gone worse and worse too before we go to overwatch Having said that, Dylan, Kyle, what's like kept you playing Dead by Daylight over the years then? Because you played it for a long time. Um, I still play it. I still do. Um, I love, I don't know, it's like a really fun game where you have to try and hide from the killer. It's just, they have these new perks and stuff that your characters can have. Like, we, the players, the survivors can have hexes now. So you can have a hex that only killers can use, but you can curse it on them so you can heal better, faster. And you can recover if you got hit, if he tries to walk away. So you can get up. There's just more fun challenges to it. Do you feel so they like have... Oh, go ahead. So they have added some like components to the game that have kept you going along? Oh, for sure. Now. There's a lot of stuff. 
that's and great. They're like falling off with it. Is that what it is? Really are. They focus, and they always have, they've always focused on the killer just because it's one player going against four, but it needs to do some balance to help a survivor out instead of giving, like, they have Hellraiser, who was one of the newest ones that's in there. And it's just beyond cheating how he plays. You have, he can teleport, he can, you get a sanity thing to where if it goes fully on you, you have these chains that grab you. So you, you slow down, so you can't work on generators. You can't run, you can't do nothing. So Sounds it's like, and then, limiting. yeah, it's very one-sided, to be honest, when you go against those certain killers. I've heard he's really OP'd. And, and you know, I think that's why that game has managed to stay so relevant um, is because they're constantly adding content to that game uh and they're and it's they're not just one-offs it's like horror icons that they're current you know that they're consistently um adding to their roster and um there's been times i sucked at that game like i'd always make my teammates mad i was always making noise i was never good as the killer either um but i find myself seeing these updates uh that they're coming out with and the content that they've added and I'm like, man, I kind of want to go back and play it. But then I remember, you know, how horrible I am at the game. Well, <laughs> decide not to correct me if I'm wrong, but it used to be like knockoffs of licensed shit until they actually got licensed characters, well, right? Like there, it was... there was a battle between them and Friday the 13th. But Friday the 13th went worse and Dead by Daylight uh, skyrocketed. And Deb, so Friday the 13th is funny you bring that up because they actually failed because they lost their lawsuit for for licensing rights. They pulled their license for that. Yeah. Well, even before that, like the the game mechanics just, you know, they saw that that was popular. I'm I'm pretty sure uh, that it came out uh, later, right? Just like quickly on the heels of, and, um, they couldn't pl- they couldn't pull a player base like uh, I got the game for free and tried to play it a couple of times and there's just it's a ghost town. It is, you know, and it's horribly graphics too. Um, but I would recommend to the viewers that if you want to try Dead by Daylight, it is on Game Pass. <laughs> nice plug. What about Overwatch? Go. Overwatch, they were really fun, but then they started slowly. I think they started focusing more on Overwatch League players than actual players that aren't really that good, like me. So they started trying to make it more fitting to like how certain characters are more balanced that way of changing them more stronger to weaker. Where when I play, who's not an Overwatch League player that just plays it to have fun, you feel like really worthless because then the character just feels even worse to play with. Rainbow and- Six suffers from that too. So there's like a pro league for Rainbow Six and the balance changes that happen to the game are reflectant of like their professional play instead of like people who are playing on average right and so that i feel like could bring a detriment because you can feel lost right if you don't play pro play and like know the meta right like you're not gonna know how the fuck to use a character because the balance has changed right overwatch has that same issue i feel like and with character shooters in general like apex you know call of duty Warzone, things like that like they suffer from that that balancing act i feel like and how fucking long has overwatch been out that's what i was gonna say like Like seven years 
Yes. Bro, they've been out for a while now, and they promised yeah. Overwatch 2, and it got moved to two years now, even though they announced it this year. It's not coming out until 2023 now. Well, and every time you add a character to a game like that, it breaks balance, right? Like, there's something yeah. that happens that then they have to go and adjust and nerf other characters, or they have to... And it seems like there's, like, a terminal point for those games at some point where it's like, yeah, you just can't balance that with how many characters are available, right? Like you just can't do it. Like some will be like totally, um, you know, made to be worthless and they're just going to stay that way forever at that point. Like, cause you yep. can't do well, it. And, and who knows if we'll even see overwatch too. I mean, blizzard oh. is a mess right now, you know? Um, so I wouldn't get my hopes up, uh, for that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Overwatch definitely has some longevity. I enjoyed playing that title when it first came out. Uh, it was fun playing with Kyle and you know the Johnny and and the rest of the group. I think that's what I enjoyed more than anything. But again, I'm horrible at Overwatch, like competitive first person shooters. I'm I'm not. Uh, that's not my uh, sort of forte. But. Um, I've heard, I, you know, I haven't been on in a, in quite a while, but I've heard the community has gotten like pretty toxic. Is that true? Oh yeah, and the the Smurf account they're getting worse and worse. I wish they would fix that it out happens, of anything. Happens in when Rainbow you see Six a level well. one yeah. person that's like playing Doomfist that plays like a, a Grandmaster, and you're going against him. It doesn't make it very fun when you get dominated that bad. Yeah, they're just going in and whooping on people, right, just for fun because they enjoy playing the game, but they're at such a level. Where like, because I've actually felt this as well, like with Rainbow Six, where people will smurf that game because they get so good at the game that sometimes they don't want to play a competitive match like that. And the only way that they get out of that is by going to a level one character, you know, starting a new account and being able to, but then you're just shitting on people, right? So there's like no balance in that respect like a yeah. casual playlist or something like that, where it'll give you a mix of levels or, you know, something like that. Well, um, is it just kind of the whole chat room thing for you, Kyle, at this point? Cause you're playing with your buddies and it's just something easier to get into and kind of pick up and go with the two of those, like with Diablo with Evan and I. Yeah. But I would say now to, for like, for me to pick like a game I've thoroughly enjoyed that I would recommend for you guys. Cause I don't know. I think you guys, I know probably Dylan. I don't know. Justin, did you guys watch attack on Titan? No, I I, I've, I've seen, I've seen like the first season. That's about it though. Um, well, attack on Titan two on Xbox is a very beautiful game. It's a, it's a multi, you can play with your friends and, um, it's a, big map and you just upgrade your weapons you can pick different weapons how fast your um little zipline stuff is and you just kill titans with your friend and learn about the story hmm. is it's that like a recent Xenoverse, release? yeah it's beautiful okay. i mean everyone says even in the comments they're like don't play the first one just immediately go to the second one i got it just because there was a sale and my friend and i have all been playing it and it's it's a fun game to kill a titan it's a little so bit like that- monster hunter <laughs> yeah pretty yeah. much it pretty much is kyle is that your game of the year i would say yeah i haven't really found anything i mean if halo infinite came out that would have won <laughs> so they released right. the multiplayer for that game didn't they recently yeah they did um multiplayer is cool it still feels like old school halo um well, which i like it's good to hear that because 
like I think a lot of people were just looking for that, right? Like if there were huge changes that completely changed the narrative of Halo multiplayer, you know, there would be people complaining about that, right? So I think that it's good to hear that at least they've kept some of that old school feel. And a campaign mm-hmm. will only keep you around for so long, right? Like, yeah. so you got to have something there. But it is free to play, which is interesting as compared to other Halo titles. The multiplayer is free to play with like aesthetic attachment to it. So that's a little different. But yeah, I don't know. I have nothing to say about it because I have yet to play it myself. I really want to. It looks interesting, but I like the story. You want to you wait for your console, huh? Well, first of all, yeah, I'd like the new series console. And second of all, I just really care about the Master Chief story. I don't... Same. Like, the multiplayer is sick, and I will play it, but I don't play shooter multiplayer anymore. I just don't have the time for it. Like, It's always been just a pleasant addition, right, to that kind of thing. No, back in the day, that was life. Halo 2, that was, like, all we fucking did with our free time. Yeah, you're right. I guess that was the focus, right? But we also, I feel like, kind of divided our time against the campaign in a substantive way too. That was like, we would go back and play the campaign. I feel like, no, I feel no? like most of it was just multiplayer. Like we, cause you had Xbox live and I didn't. So I feel like every time I came over, we were playing, like we would play a That's little fair. bit of campaign, but it was almost always multiplayer and halo three. We constantly played multiplayer. Yeah. It was that way with Gears of war too. Cause we played a little bit of the campaign and we played together, but most of our time yeah. was spent in multiplayer. There's right. only, you could spend some time playing legendary, some time doing glitches and hunting skulls and like doing little Easter eggs. But like at the end of the day, Halo 2 and Halo 3 was a multiplayer experience for me. But nah, of course, Halo like, it was story for me. But that's the thing. Story always comes first, even if I played multiplayer more. Halo fucking rocks, bro. It does. I've I will always, cry if he dies. I've always been down for that. He's going to have to pass the mantle eventually, man. Like that's just nope. how that goes. I can't, can't yeah. see it. Like, It'll be yeah. the power armor just keeping him moving. He'll be fucking dead inside. It's just a board. Yeah. 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 <laughs> a mummified, like, Buddhist monk inside of a fucking <laughs> Master Chief armor. Cor- yeah. Rampant Cortana's just running the fucking show. <laughs> just, like, puppeteered. <laughs> I would like to see that, though, like, some Gary's mod-looking shit with Master Chief's corpse where he's just running around like this. He's <laughs> shooting people. <laughs> Yeah, I'd like to dig back into Halo. Honestly, I was a big fan of the of the story. You know, it was cool watching that. Um, you know, watching that franchise progress along with uh, the consoles. Um, but honestly, I fell off after Halo Four. I, I I'm embarrassed to say I, I haven't even played Halo Five. You're not missing much for Halo Five. I I own it. I've never played it. I enjoyed it, but I am very easy to please when it comes to campaign. Wait, you enjoyed Halo 5? Yeah. I did. It, it's just another Halo to play, right, like yeah. at that point. Like See, that's what it has felt like to me. Like I haven't it's not that I was upset with anything in particular. Um you know, it's almost like Assassin's Creed, right? Like I'll I'll come back to it eventually, but uh, I just I just sort of had fatigue, like Halo fatigue. I was, was going to use Batman as the analog for Kyle, right? Because like, not every Batman game is your favorite Batman game, right? But you'll continue to come back to that and play it because you like the source material. You like yeah. the, the 
composition of those games and you're like, yeah, it may not be my favorite, but I'll still play it and enjoy it. Right. Like for what it is. I don't know. Like when it comes to Halo, it just, that game means a lot to me to where I could like, I don't think I could ever like disown it or like be like, I, I, I will always go back to it with no problem. I remember well, when Kyle put a sticker on his Xbox and he didn't do it very well. Back in the day, it was his Xbox 360 and he got the Halo sticker for it because back in the day, you couldn't get shells for the console to like actually replace them. You had to put a sticker on the outside of it. And I remember going and seeing Kyle's and I'm like, that looks dope, but it's a little cockeyed. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, I owned and still own uh, the Halo edition of the original Xbox. See, I have the Halo Reach one because I thought that was the last one because I was Bungie saying they were done after Halo Reach. That was and the then one, the gray, Reach. That was the gray yeah. console with the blue light on it. Yep, and yeah. then it would make recharging shield sounds when you would turn it on or off. Yeah. Do you guys remember yeah, so me going Evan's to talking about getting? Evan's yeah, he has the uh, green one, right? And yeah. that's the yeah. one I'm jealous. Yeah. I, I'm jealous about that one. That was a beautiful looking console. The Gears yeah. of War one for me. That red one, the red and black one was sick. Like, I ended up that going was... to getting that one. But I think mm-hmm. that's the only limited one. Oh, I bought a Forza Xbox. I still have that one. But yeah, that Halo Reach one was sick. I still yeah, have one the for the. For... Sorry, Evan. Go ahead. No, you're still on the hunt for what? Go ahead. I'm still on the hunt for the new Halo Xbox. I'm trying. Okay. All right. What does that look like? Actually, pretty sick. It's, it's still like. Uh lack of the console but it's like a galaxy okay i'll have to i'll have to look that up i didn't know they did a halo edition of the uh i knew they were going to i mean that's their main face of the company there's a couple that that i've like looked at in particular that i'm like man i wish i got that like when evan and i were working at gamestop there was a destiny limited edition console i really didn't even like the game but it was this white console with like gold inlay of all the destiny like iconography on there. I was like, this fucking thing is sick. Like I like Well, they that. came out with the white console later, and that's what I picked up. Um, that wasn't Destiny. But I'm looking at this Series X um for the Halo Infinite Limited Edition, and it's sick. Yeah, that looks pretty awesome. You should also see the uh Halo um Xbox Series X controller. A lot of that's people went and just bought those. I heard. Yeah, like they that. didn't even get the console. They just bought those off the store when they came out. I was on the so, hunt for that one too. I'm looking, you know, they it's like uh eBay, Newegg, right? Uh even Walmart. So they're well they're well over a thousand dollars. I was willing to spend some money. They also have a keyboard and a headset and I was that's how much that stupid game means to me that I'm willing to like cough up the money for it. Yeah, that's wild. I don't. I don't think I could spend that kind of money on a on a console, honestly. Yeah. Well, this is not the console pricing episode. This is the game of the year episode. <laughs> so I'm gonna bring us. Well, back we we to have the, we have we have diverged here. So I'm let's gonna get back bring us track. back to the original topic. And so Kyle's game of the year. Name it one more time. Attack on Titan Two. Attack on Titan. <laughs> I am honestly, spent- after you talked about that, I am going to look at it. Because I'm like, okay, that that sounds like a fun kind of experience, you know. 
fuck what you're going to look at. What did you look at this year, Dylan? What was your game of the year? Oh, baby. you're. I don't think you're ready for this. So, I have a Nintendo Switch, right? And I haven't used the fucking thing forever since I bought it. Played it for, like, Mario Party and stuff like that. And then recently, I picked up Fire Emblem Three Houses, right? This game is everything that everybody in this group would hate, but it's fucking awesome. <laughs> I've spent so this much... This is what I saw you playing at your house the other day, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't hate it. It's the tactics-style yeah. game, right? Yeah. Yeah. I guess Evan would be the only one that it would kind of pertain to, because it is a tactics, yeah. top-down kind of game. There's there's a there's a charm to it that's awesome. I think everybody's heard me talk about Persona 5 at nauseum um, on this podcast. And so it hits some of those same notes where essentially you are this like mercenary who has very little memory of his childhood. There's a God that like speaks to him in his mind, right? It's this young girl and she's like, Hey, you know, we got, there's some shit that's about to go down. Right. And so your you, a guy that you find out is your dad takes you to this monastery and it's this massive, it looks like a old English, like college campus with a big church in the middle. And, um, they make you a professor of a class of young warriors, right? These like they're noblemen, they're, um, commoners that have been like entered into this and, three houses so you pick one of the houses they all have a specialty so one of them's magic one of them's bows and one of them's combat right and you spend a lot of time in the calendar like you have to instruct them and their abilities go up and they'll ask you like hey i kind of want to focus on this like is this okay and you can change their job classification which is an old tactics concept right of like job classing characters it is a top-down tactics-based game. You can auto-play it to some degree, but you can't 100% auto-play this game. It'll do like an auto-play for a turn. But it is one of the most enthralling things I've played this so year. So if you're trying to auto-play the whole game at that point, are you not just watching a top-down tactics-based computer play against itself? It makes it an uncomfortable experience for you if you want to to auto play it like it discourages that kind of play where you can like auto play but you have to engage auto play one turn at a time right and so it's not that's not the way to play it and it's not fun and yes you're right like if you ended up doing that you would just you're watching like chess right a computer play a computer in chess which has its own you know merit but that's not what those games have ever been about right it's you like leading a force of people and doing battle these kids can die permanently so like there is permadeath <laughs> in this game where so it gives you some like buy-in in their life and like their character which is interesting so i feel like um they do that you know that sort of auto battle system um to make the game a little more accessible right um I despise that kind of thing. I'm like very much of the like get good yeah. uh, sort of camp there. Right. Um, but you're seeing, um, you know, you're seeing more uh, companies putting out games that they're 
trying to make more accessible where if people just want to play for the story and, and I get it, you know, but overall to me, at least uh, it feels like, it, I don't know, like if you it's beat a mobile the game, game concept, right? Like it's something that's been pushed into these titles from mobile games, right? These like auto battlers on your phone um, to make them, you're right, like more accessible. It is not- well, and you have a lot of you have a lot of whiny people that are like it's too hard, when you know. And to me, when they add things like that, and I get it, makes it more accessible. Maybe you get some new people that come into the franchise. But for me, it ruins, um, yeah, any any sort of uh, feelings I get of accomplishment um, from beating the game. I mean, not to shit on it. Like I'm glad you're enjoying it, and I and I love Fire Emblem, uh, but that's a that's a little frustrating. I think a frustrating mechanic, and I know like you probably don't use it, right? Yeah, you know, and there's there's some well, other things. Going to say that because he doesn't want to sound like a bitch in front of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I really don't, and and. The fact of the matter is, is that I've loved games like that for a very long time. I play XCOM, you know, Final Fantasy Tactics, stuff like that. And so it is really my jam. And so I do give it an effort 100% no matter what I'm playing. But what I will say to give it a little bit more credit is that there's a difficulty mode that you can put on that game, which is casual, right? Which takes the permadeath out of that the the game entirely. And so it gives you an option to not have to auto battle, but still have some kind of like casual experience with it. Um, I think that it's a further discouragement to the auto battle system entirely because they're like, hey, we're giving you this other difficulty option that's not that, right? Like you don't have to do that. Like you could just put it on casual, see the story, still play the game. It's still an adequate difficulty um, and, and you can have fun with it. And I think one of the biggest parts for me that's really attractive about that game is that there's this like um, persona-like system where you're building ties with each character. It's called a support level, right? So when your character that you're controlling kills an enemy in front of another character, the support level goes up for that character, both of them. So they're like, oh shit, like you can help each other in battle like that. Like there's tie-ins like that. It's a really long game. It's not for the faint of heart. It's like a couple hundred hour commitment to something and you play one time and you play through. Um, Your choices throughout the game dictate what ending you get as well. So there's some element, RPG element in that way too, where you can... um, if you pick another house, right, and then you make three other decisions, then you get an ending that's shorter than the longest ending in the game. Like, there's a bunch of different components that go into this game. It's very well thought out. Um, and ultimately, it's it hits, like, every note for someone like me, where I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is Dylan's fucking jam. Like, if you had to... I'm not a huge high fantasy kind of guy, to be honest, like I tend to lean more sci-fi than high fantasy, but I'm so past that with this game. I'm just like, yeah, this is fucking dope. Um, so, you know, and the there's full CGI cutscenes in the game. There's um, a lot of dialogue. Um, there's dialogue enough to where I'm like, how the fuck did they voice all of this? It's not like 
just chat in the in a chat box like i'm like how the fuck did they voice all of this <laughs> right in a reasonable amount of time so well that's my game of the year it came out in 2019 i've been enthralled with that game and i just haven't been able to put it down i play it at work on my lunch i take my switch with me to work and i play it on lunch justin came over the other day to pick up his dog and i was like playing it on the tv <laughs> you know um, it plays really well docked or undocked too and that's like my final note on it because it, it does do well with both ways like handheld and in the dock but nice it sounds like it has some good uh replay replayability uh yes. mechanic that, you know where you can come back and get a different story or you know if someone dies a chance to come back and kind of um you know approach the game in a in a different fashion yeah, um, and they're gone that, forever when they die, you know, so you don't get any of the dialogue with the character, you don't get any of that, and so there's some incentive to come back to it, and I think that um, it's rated like a 98 on Google. Yeah, I was just about to say, yeah. on GameStop, it's 4.8 out of 5, IGN 9.5 out of 10, Best Buy 4.9 out of 5. So would you agree with those ratings or do you think there is any flaws to this game that you don't like? Or I think the only flaw to this game is truly like it's accessibility, right? And that if you do not like these kind of games, I do not think that this is going to be the title that brings you to them. I think that it has some concessions built into it that would attract some people that would, aren't, but you had to be borderline already. Like, I really want to get into that, but some of these are just, like, XCOM is way too fucking hard. Like, I don't, I don't want to do something like that. If you're that kind of person, it's going to bring you to it, right? But it's not like someone who's like, I fucking hate tactics-based RPGs, like, and job systems. Like, you're, you're not going to pull that audience. But within its community, it is one of the highest regarded examples of that game and that kind of game as a whole. So... I mean, it's a well-loved and storied franchise. You know, that's that's for sure. The people that uh, love it are just crazy about it. And you know what you're getting, right? Like, it's... Um, if you go to pick up one of those games, you know exactly what you're getting into. Yeah, there's no illusions about what it is. It's an RPG. Yeah. It's top-down. It's fun as shit. The characters are genuine and fun there's no repeat character that i've seen i'm just like oh you're the same archetype as some other character like and there's 60 to 80 characters in this game um you play a leader of a squadron but you have a full accoutrement of people who have um different types and and abilities and aspirations and goals so but you're right there's no there's no qualms or, or illusions about that game you pick it up because you want to play something like that but mm -hmm. i'd say that's the only weakness to something that's so well rated is that um i couldn't put it in front of justin and be like hey play this right and have him enjoy it like it's just not yeah, yeah. it's just not going to be something that that happens that way um yeah it's definitely niche for sure yeah and you know niche is kind of a kind of an interesting way to put it because I think that the audience is fairly big for something like it that. Is. Like there's a lot of mm -hmm. people, but it is a specific niche of game. Um, you know, it's not just a JRPG that a, like tales of arise that came out this year that everybody's like, Oh my God, this is the best fucking RPG ever. Right. Like 
it's not like that. It's 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 a specific type of game. But. Well, and obviously it's got something going for it because you know, that style of game, um, you know, that's an old style of game. There, those turn based uh, turn based top down RPGs, and the fact uh, that they can still put those out and it performs uh, as well as it does, it, it really says a lot. Um, about that franchise, I think I paid for this title on sale eighty dollars. <laughs> so I paid for it plus its DLC for eighty dollars. I a hundred percent say that the price point is worth it, and that's a Man, rare that thing steep. for me. Yes, it's a steep. It's a <laughs> steep barrier to entry. Yes, yes. I bought I it for the. That. I bought it for the cruise right and like the plane ride, and I was like, okay, I need something that's just going to occupy me. I was willing to pay the price for it. Um, I did a lot of research before I did that because <laughs> I'm like, that's a high buy-in. But it 100% justifies its price uh, of $80 on sale with game and content. Um, you'll probably pay about 110 not on sale for everything altogether. And it is one of those ones that you will get um, your your playback time in gold in that game if you're willing to take the time and play it but and having it on switch helps a lot too because you can take it with you that's my game of the year been playing the shit out of that (laughs) all right don well fire emblem three houses i would fucking hate it but if you like that you might like it you weird bastard evan what do you got for us you know um we played a i played a lot of great games uh, this year, and we played, uh, you know, a, a handful of them uh, for our podcast. Some honorable mentions: Carry On, Doom Eternal, Dark Souls Three, Hades, um, you know, Jedi Fallen Order, uh, and Control. I enjoyed okay, all of those. Can take all of them in one go. <laughs> uh, well, we know what yours is. Now. <laughs> That's right. Um, so, Rob, baby. So. <laughs> honorable mentions thank you very much for myself um but hands down it was a really easy decision for me um my game of the year is uh uh secrio um pardon sekiro right yeah i mean i'm sure it's like ryu ryu right like say it again yeah sekiro <laughs> so yeah, uh Secrio Shadows Die Twice uh You're is my letters. You're adding letters, I think. That sounds like there's I do that all the time. Letter. I do that all the time. I'll <laughs> add some vowels. I'm from the South, man. I'm gonna add some vowels, some consonants. Uh it's gonna happen. Right? Uh but anyway, lick my balls. Uh so <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but getting back to the uh, game review, uh, honestly, I think it's one of the best games I've ever played. I played this uh, right on the heels of finishing uh, Dark Souls 3. Uh, so it's another you know, from software game, uh, but they did a, such a good job, especially with the, uh, you know, the setting for one is a way different than what you get with dark souls or bloodborne or something like that. I love that feudal Japan, uh, setting big fan of that. And of course I've always loved ninjas and, um, Kung Fu. Right. Uh, but 
above all, I was excited to start another uh, from software game. But the game mechanics are uh, nothing like what you're doing in Dark Souls. You know, Dark Souls is uh, heavily uh, it's very based on oriented. being able to dodge. Well, yeah. this is too. It's a little more stealth. Uh, but in Dark Souls, you know, you want to dodge constantly and get out of the way. And that's not how this game operates. Uh, it's uh heavily relies on your reflexes and being able to block and parry so uh you're constantly blocking and parrying i was getting my ass handed to me at first because uh, having just finished dark souls 3 i kept trying to dodge away and i was getting obliterated and just like dark souls you're gonna pay you're going to die a lot, but it's going to cost you as well. Um, so instead of losing all of your souls and having to go back and get them, you don't get that opportunity. Uh, half of the experience that you've earned uh, that you haven't banked, you lose it. It's just gone. Um, and then it also start your deaths start to affect the other NPCs in the game and changes the story. Um, which is an interesting uh, mechanic. Honestly, uh, when I first started playing it, I was raging super hard because I just could not get the game mechanic. Uh, and I put it up uh, for about a month, and then I came back to it and uh, took a little more time to really learn the combat mechanics. And once I got it, uh, I started just having a blast with it. I couldn't put the game down. The The story uh, is amazing. And just like Dark Souls, you know, at first it doesn't feel like there's much lore in the game. And it's, um, you know, it's a little mysterious. You don't really know what's going on. Um, but as you get further into the game, the story starts to expand. And it's an incredibly... Uh, diverse story but it still leaves enough mysteries so uh that you're kind of like what you know what was that what's going on uh and you can still question things uh, in the game uh, a lot of the bosses also have lore behind them and that's cool to uh to read about you, you pick up different scrolls and things along the way um that kind of start to open that story up for you uh, the combat, like I said, it's insanely difficult. Um, honestly, I feel like the difficulty was a little overhyped, um, but it's definitely super hard. Uh, but once you kind of get uh, the rhythm down, and that's really what it amounts to, um, is getting the, the a rhythm down to your combat, uh, it feels very fluid. Uh, but it's very different from any of the other from software games and any other like combat based or stealth game that I've played before. Um, but once you get it, it feels so incredible and it's so satisfying. So, um, that sentence questions. is true about every from soft game. Yeah. That I like, I agree that there's like some mechanic that once you kind of understand the method, Right, that it's incredibly satisfying once mm -hmm. you once you get good at that kind of thing. I have some questions about this one in particular, though. So, 
the in Dark Souls, right? Because you and I finished Dark Souls three together. There are like enemy patterns, and there are like enemies that operate extremely different from other other enemies. In which, when you approach them, you have to like modify your approach to these enemies. Like I think of the jailers, right in the in the the jail cells, right where they can like take away your health with the bell and shit is there that kind of enemy diversity in Sekiro um oh absolutely absolutely um yeah, there's a ton of different enemy types but they do um the different types do all have patterns to them so once you sort of learn what to expect uh from that enemy uh you, you don't have to, you feel like you don't have to be as cautious around them. So just like with dark souls, when you approach something new, uh, it gives you a lot of anxiety. There's been times where I'll come up and I'll see something off in the distance and I'll just like turn around and go to camp and kind of collect myself <laughs> for a minute. You're like, I need um, to get ready have, to do this. <laughs> oh man. I, you know, I, um, and, and just like dark souls too, you can end up in areas that you shouldn't necessarily be in yet. Um, What's interesting that sets it apart from Dark Souls as well is, um, you know, rather than investing in like armor or weapons and you do get increased weapons and things like that, but you start to, you're able to go around and you can find uh, these uh, sort of add-ons for your prosthetic arm that you have, uh, which can, can make certain enemies a little easier to deal with. Uh, if you know what their weakness is, right? But you can end up, if you don't find that addition to the prosthetic, uh, you'll end up in an area and it's going to be a lot harder uh, than if you had that uh, attachment on your your prosthetic arm. And that's super cool too. The attachments are awesome. Um, See, that sounds really interesting, the whole additive attachment thing, because there's a lot of the Dark Souls game in particular that we played you know as, as long as you had your build kind of operating correctly and you were familiar with what you were doing and you had some kind of like enemy pattern competency um you could really kind of do whatever you know like as long as you're you're operating on that level but the attachment thing sounds kind of cool because it adds another element to the game it play. is and then there's so, there's also the force awakened uh, in a way, uh, yeah. the the one thing about that uh, that I'll agree with is there is a skill tree uh, in that game, right? Yeah. There's actually multiple skill trees. So you um, you start out with sort of a a basic skill tree, and as you progress through the game, and again, uh, you can miss uh, these items that you're uh, that later open up additional skill trees for you, right? Um, so if you're able to find the items, then uh, you can open up uh, additional skills and tactics. Some of them are passive. Uh, some of them are like uh, move sets and things like that. Uh, so that's really interesting. That's actually what you end up spending your experience on. Rather than leveling up a character, uh, you spend it in this skill tree, right? And you can level up the individual skills. Um that's going back to about this one that you've listed that are like super interesting to me is that there's Dude, like you would love it trees linked to like objects you can find. And then the fact that there's like characters and like NPCs you interact with based on how many times you've died. 
Yeah, so uh, this is no real secret, but there's part of the way the game punishes you um, for dying. So basically, the way it works, you know, in Dark Souls, you you lose everything, but you have a chance to go back and get it. And mm-hmm. in, in this game, the first time you get killed by an enemy, um, if you've rested, right, at like what ultimately amounts to a bonfire, um, you have an opportunity to resurrect right there on the spot with like half of your health. Um, and if you can defeat the enemy or run away, then you don't lose anything, right? If you die a second time, you're dead. You lose half of your stuff. Uh, you lose some other things as well. Uh, and then you start back at your last bonfire. But the more you die, um, this it's called dragon rot. So this disease starts to infect the uh, other NPCs. So that's the way it kind of starts to punish you. Now, from my understanding, because I freaked out the first time that I got the notification and it told me all the different NPCs that it infected and they're important NPCs. They're people that you, you know, you need and interact with. Um, And I was worried. So I went and, and looked it up and I was like, should I restart the game? Like, what should I do? Um, And apparently it's, it's not like uh, anything that's game ending or anything that's really going to ultimately affect the playthrough too much. But I think it's a good incentive because uh, you're going to, for sure. Honestly, once I stopped worrying about that um, and focusing on playing the game and understanding that um, it's not game ending and that, once I get to go back and replay the game, and I will. Um, then I was just about you, to ask, is it game plus? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. There's a lot of replay um, availability in the game. Um, going back to what Dylan was asking about the AI, uh, I don't have too much to say about the AI. It's it's a lot like Dark Souls uh, in that sense as far as the movesets and where the characters are and what they're doing. It uh, doesn't change too much. There's definitely some problems with the AI, but overall, like the AI is pretty smart. Um, and at least it seems like to me that they sort of, uh, especially later in the game, they sort of get wise to some of the tactics and things uh, that you uh, that you pull in the game. Uh, but, you know, just... Uh, and there's multiple endings too, which is what's uh, great too about that replayability and the new game plus, I think there's like four different endings and they're all vastly different. And you also get like different cutscenes and things like that too. Um, But final thoughts on the game overall, like I truly love this game. I've had so much fun playing it. Um, It's been really hard for me to put down. Um, You'll definitely rage playing it, uh, but stick with it and as the game opens up and as you become adept at the combat systems and you start to understand um, and settle into the gameplay, uh, I really think most people, if you love the any of the From Software games, you will love this game. Absolutely. That game Absolutely. actually sounds like fun. I'm actually quite interested to try that out. I highly recommend it to everybody. And Justin, as much as you've enjoyed the Dark Souls series, you will love this game, and, and it's 
it's different enough from Dark Souls um, that it feels like a different game. You'll notice some gameplay and some mechanics that are that definitely come from Dark Souls. But overall, especially the combat, the way the combat works, um, I don't feel like I'm playing Dark Souls. It's okay. a lot of fun. Yeah, you would really like, enjoy yeah. it. I feel like I've heard similar like sentiment about it, like listening to other people talk about it, that it's like the same core concept, but very different in execution or something like that. Yeah, it's single player only. There's there's no multiplayer at all. You um you can so just like in Dark Souls, how people will can write with the soapstones or whatever and leave messages to kind of help you out. In this game, you can leave um I'm spacing out on exactly what it's called, but you basically leave like a, a little shirkin in the ground. And if you come up and touch it, you see a ghost image of that player. Um, and they can last anywhere from a few seconds up until I think the longest one I've seen was like a minute and a half. Um, sometimes it's just goofy bullshit and I laugh cause some of it's funny. Um, but a lot of it has been really helpful in helping me to find some of those hidden items or like how to approach an enemy. So you can watch that ghost image and even follow it. And, um, it can reveal secrets or tactics to you. Uh, but unlike dark souls, you can't play with, um, you can't play with other people and you're also like not getting invaded or anything like that, which I kind of appreciated. Yeah, that does sound kind of nice. I like some invasions, but I I, I never win PvP fights. Evan, Dylan and Evan I had some gnarly have, ones, man. Yeah, Evan we and were I had some stories, bro. Where we'd fuck people up, but then there and was also, fucked up too. <laughs> there was also some times where we're waiting for what was it? The blue sentinels. We're like, come on, give us one more person here because we're getting fucked up, right? Like, yeah, there were some times where we were praying on and, people to show up. Well, and it's like at the most inopportune time, a lot of times too, it would seem like when I really have my back against the wall and, you know, there's some really tough enemies around you and now I'm getting invaded. Uh, and there's spots that I didn't realize until we kind of fleshed the game out a little bit, uh, that there are areas that people use as basically arenas, you know. Um, but I had, we had some really cool, um, interactions with invasions too. Uh, very early in the game, we got invaded by this guy, and he was doing like friendly actions, like waving, and you know sometimes that's a that's a faint, right? Um, but he would drop stones on the ground to lead us to things, yeah. like because he knew we Maybe were early on. Bubbles. Yeah, he oh. was like, "Here, let me show you where you need to go," and he would drop stones on the ground. Yeah. Um, so I have a love hate relationship with the. Uh, the PVP uh, and Dark Souls. I've heard, as long as we're talking about those uh, from games, that Elden Ring won't have invasions. And I'm super excited for that you one. You will be able to play multiplayer, though, which would be cool. Yeah, I'm really yep. excited about Elden Ring, too. Yeah. Well, that's about all I have to say about that. Great game. I'd definitely try it. We saved our best for last here. Justin, what was uh, your game of the year? I don't know. I feel like. Sekiro should take it, or however the hell it's pronounced. <laughs> it's not a competition, like Justin says. Sekiro, we all just you. we all just liked our games for the year. But yeah, my game of the year 
has to be control because I haven't hundred percented anything since I was in high school. Like that game was just fucking enthralling to me. The environment that it sets up. I'm really into. I like to read, and I really like to read tales of intrigue. So like the fact that all of the lore that you well like a significant amount of like the world building happens through shit that you just kind of read as you're interacting and going through the offices and various areas of the oldest house like that was all super interesting to me the scp element to it was obviously a lot of fun to play with it like had a lot of fun with the concept and did all kinds of trippy ass things making you fight yourself in like a mirror dimension and like the superpowers that you accumulate throughout it, like flying around, solving like different sorts of puzzles, like finding specific cubes in specific places to be able to access certain like hidden rooms. I'm all into that sort of shit. Like when you hide stuff throughout your game for it to be found, like the, the various cats that you find in order to get the cat ears and that secret room, like all that sort of shit. Just it's the only game like I went out and bought DLC for and stuff. Like I loved Doom and Doom is like a close runner up for sure, but like I haven't well, you know, DLC yet. I'm actually honestly surprised. Don't get me wrong, Control was a fun game, but I was honestly surprised too you didn't want to say like Assassin's Creed Odyssey because it sounded like when I talked to you, you like really enjoyed a lot of the stuff from it. All the armor you got and all the Yeah, Control's a better game though. Assassin's Creed Odyssey is too much of a time commitment. I'm just trying to finish it out of like, uh, what's the word? Like, I feel that. Like your revenge, your revenge finishing it at that point. Yeah, yeah. obligation. Yeah. Completely yeah. out of obligation at this point. Because I, the big reason I bought it was because I wanted to do the Atlantis DLC, and that's like if you, I, I'm a completionist, so I'm just gonna play the game the way I play it. But there was so much shit to do before you could play the fucking DLC that now I'm just like, all right, let's get this over with. It's interesting and cool, and I like what they've done for sure. But Control is a better game because it never disrespected my time by having me just run around this fucking town and like put out three fires or start three fires for no fucking reason. I've done this a hundred times. What are we doing here? Let's go progress the fucking story. I was going to say that it's very respectful of the player's time and you're always doing something that's pertinent, right? To yeah. what, what you're doing, like, and story building, like a lot of these, even the side quests in control are built in such a way that they're storytelling side quests, <laughs> like, you know? Yes. And that's the thing. Like the fact that it had side quests was interesting to me because it's a very contained story. It's not a long like experience, but it still has like optional things. And it may, it also adds an interesting element because it makes certain things optional, like the quick teleport dodge thing. Like, if you didn't have that, I don't know how the hell you'd play that game. And that side quest is, I think, like the beginner side quest to kind of show you that it has side quests that you can do that can have good fucking things to unlock, so do them. But, like, they had to build the game around the fact that that's not an, like, required tool to have so there were certain boss fights you could access earlier than you were really supposed to because you were able to like hack the traversal effectively like that was actually a really cool element of that and so like the float mechanic is is mandatory right like the because it's one of the main pieces but that teleport is not right or like the shield is not required like that kind of stuff and all of the side quests that you did to get those were like you defeating an SCP object to get them or going through some kind of cool story element to do that. Yeah, yeah. I totally I w- agree. 
I would say too, I did enjoy that game a lot was the action. I mean, every time when something was about to happen, I always had like excitement coming, like enemies are about to spawn and they just made the fighting and shooting mechanics just so enjoyable. There's something about pulling fucking concrete chunks out of a wall and hucking them in mass <laughs> at enemies and like destroying like three or four enemies at a time like that. That was, I don't know how they did that. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was another. That's a big thing I liked about it was the progression of how powerful you felt as you fucking played it. Because mm-hmm. like it, you end the game as the boss of the FBC, so like, but it really fucking makes you feel like you're the boss of this place. Like you're like, listen, I cleaned out the goddamn sewers. All right, like I have gone through and got the mold out of the fucking pipes. You're damn right, I'm the boss of this place. Like, any of you throw I concrete love- chunks? Any of you? No. Okay. Yeah. All right, I win. <laughs> I'm the boss. <laughs> I loved how meta the game was. Honestly, I was enthralled from like it hooked me from the very beginning. You know, um, I was so the sense of wonderment I had in that game of just wanting to explore and figure out like what is going on. Um, I really appreciated that the combat felt good. The controls, like I don't have anything but good things to say about control. It was a great game. Yeah, dude. I, and like, I agree with you. The meta narrative is something I hadn't mentioned, but that was a big thing that got me was the fact using you, you yourself as an element of the story is a very like interesting storytelling element to me. And I'm all fucking story. So, like, it had me hooked from the start. She's like, we're in this place. She's confused. I'm confused. We go around the, like, geometry of the level changes, and suddenly there's this Swedish dude who's really confusing. And, like, just, like, from the jump, I was like, this is sick. And then you're immediately thrown into it with, like, the floating people who are, like, whispering the cryptic fucking message that is, like... There's just some, the like projections that you can find that go on the walls, the ray tracing element of the graphics, like the fact that you can just rip chunks of the wall off of any wall and use it as a weapon at a certain point in the game. Like it did a lot that impressed me. It's been a long time since I sat down at the game and it was just, it it was like a Bioshock one experience for me. It's yeah. And yeah, the, yeah. And she was so interesting as a character too. Um, I immediately like connected with her as a protagonist. Um, and sometimes it takes me a while to do that in games, but from the get go, uh, they made her such an interesting and relatable character uh, that like, I really gave a shit about what happened to her. I agree. And you're, you're, you're her imaginary friend. Yes. So on the jump, she's like building a relationship with you directly. So you're like, all right, girl, we're getting through this. And and nothing that she, one of the things that I think you could have stumbled on and Justin talked about it and I was like, it brought up a, a, a really like vivid point for me. I was like, everything she says to herself, right? When she's analyzing a situation or, or going into something, right? I was like, yeah, I fucking agree. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Or like, it wasn't anything that was like obvious or stupid, right? That she's saying it was like her kind of digesting what's happening around her and like figuring shit out. And I'm like, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, absolutely. You're a hundred percent correct. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> like you know, like I felt like I was following along with her, and it was really engaging in that way. And I it really- was the story and the dialogue and the voice acting was all amazing. It it did the like classic thing that I like to see in a game, which is 
it made one of the most interesting characters in the entire story a character you never actually even fucking encounter, Dr. Darling. You just only learn about this fool through videos and like snippets that you read and other people's like stories and stuff. And by the end, you're like, who the hell was this guy? Like, oh my God, that fucking video, the kids, I can't remember what it, the Rift Kids or something like that was oh, so good. The puppets and shit, like it's so eerie. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, great game. Yep. Control was it for me. Control is a fantastic thing. I don't know how that flew under my radar, but I'm glad that we played it because that was amazing. Yeah, that's a good pick. So I'm interested Game to Pass. Hear. Yeah, it's on Game Pass. Yep. yep. Microsoft, give us Pass. some money. I'd really appreciate it. <laughs> or just some t-shirts. I don't even give a fuck. Send me something in the mail. Hook, hook a brother up. We have a website. Like, it's a line on some new Xboxes. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like That's sorry, right. what is that website again, Dylan? Lowered expectations podcast.com, boy. Hit it up. What's the email? <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Lowered expectations 420 or something like that at gmail.com. I like it. So I'm interested to hear like if you had to pick one of the four that we've all presented that's not your own, what would you pick for the game of the year? Sekiro. I would pick control, actually. Uh, I would probably pick Sekiro. That just sounds very interesting. Evan? Yeah, that's my pick too. Control runs almost neck and neck with it. Um, but overall, I, I've got to give it to Sekiro for sure. Things like you, from how Sekiro was explained, that there's so many different options that you can do with that game. Control is, you start to just do the same stuff. Yeah, I agree. So I like, there's definitely a, a a fixed path, regardless of what you're doing. There's deviations on that, but there is like a end goal, right? Like, uh, like every fucking game has so many endings. I was like, give me one ending. I just want the one. I want to experience what the story is that you have to tell. Like, and come on, the ashtray trip, the ashtray maze was fucking amazing. And just the Swedish janitor's character entirely and everything that goes along with that. The soundtrack to that game is fucking amazing. The um, the environments that you're in. So when you're in the area where they lock up all the SCPs in these individual rooms and have like the observation area, I think is what it's called. That having like five floors vertically and you can navigate to all of them. Like that was pretty crazy to be in. Like, dude, fucking love that game. If, yeah, if it's definitely a close runner up. If I, I think if I haven't played, if I had not played Sekiro, then um, I think Control would have probably been my pick as well. Honestly, I would agree. And I will say, still the hard runner up for me is Doom Eternal. Doom Eternal is the best shooter I've played since probably Modern Warfare Two. Another great game. Another great game. And I came close to picking Dark Souls 3, too, because I have I put so much time into that, and I had so much fun playing that game this year. I wanted to pick Phasmophobia, but only Dylan and I would understand it, really. Ghost! <laughs> yeah. Great game of the year, guys. Yeah. Good discussion. We'll go ahead and take our dubstep interlude and be back shortly. Martial arts tournament. <laughs> <laughs> and it shall be good.
me like you got your ring in. I'ma pull back, yeah, touch that hat, don't get me me in the backyard. I don't play games, yeah. It's a tournament, all I gotta sell games. Woo! Oh, it's Serenade Dylan. Always appreciate those. I wob it. <laughs> we'll roll into the second half of the podcast now, which is, of course, the topic segment. And as we have all voted on, we're going to start with our most badass moment we've ever experienced in a video game. Anybody chomping at the bit to go first? Anybody got a real zinger for us? I do. This was hard for me. Honestly, there's there's so many good ones uh, that really blew my mind. Um, I narrowed it down to like to three of them. Um, but after kind of thinking back on them, honestly, uh, I think for me, it was actually in Bioshock Infinite. And it's where... Um, where Elizabeth, she achieves omnipotence, right? Mm-hmm. And she walks you through, um, she walks you through the world that's like reconstructing itself and like folding in on itself. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Like all the lighthouses. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that, th- that too, like it coming back to that, the most iconic location, uh, in that, um, you know, in those games, uh, to kind of like explain the multiverse in which like the entire series kind of takes place, that blew my mind. It was like a it was like a stroke of genius, and um, I completely yeah, agree. walking walking through the sea of doors, uh, it was just so beautiful too, absolutely incredible, stunning. Like going, especially like the beginning of that sequence when you're actually she takes you to Rapture. And you walk through that like initial chunk from game one before you like songbird dies in the water and shit. Like that whole sequence was, yeah, jaw dropping. Yeah. Yeah. It blew my mind. I, I, the way they tied everything in, I was just, uh, I think I like had to pause the game and set it down for a minute after that and kind of like reflect on it. Um, yeah. It made yeah, you think it, about life. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think overall that was the most stunning for me. I, I have some others if we have enough time. If we, if each of us wants to give an honorable mention once everybody comes through, um, I'm sure everyone has like multiple that they would like to share. Start with one of mine as well. Has everybody here played Borderlands Two? Yes. Yes. Yeah. The part where Handsome Jack is like raining shit down on Sanctuary. And, like, you got to go through that quick mission. You're, like, running through the town's, like, getting hammered and, like, the shield's just barely holding on and everybody's freaking out. You got to, like, release the clamp so that it can float up and shit. And the part where they're, like, we've got something you don't, Jack. And he's, like, what? And then, like, whatever his name is, he goes, like, a siren. And she goes, stop. And teleports the city out of there. That's, like, one of the coolest things I've ever Pretty dope. Like. Yeah. I was not ready to watch that whole city just disappear. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty amazing. I'll have to say for mine was Mass Effect 3 was when you're close to the end and you're just running towards the Reapers for the final fight 
I didn't get the good ending, so it was kind of like a very like sad ending to experience. Like just knowing that the fate of the universe was just right there, and you were just running towards them with every other species there to try and help out to try and stop the Reapers. That was like the first time I'd ever seen that in a game. Where it was like a whole big, you build up the whole campaign, your forces, so that you can try to take on the final boss. Hmm. Yeah, I I completely forgot about that one. Oh uh, I thought God. about some Mass Effect moments, but that's that's a great one. I like. So I have an honorable mention and a regular one, but um. Do number one first, and we'll do honorable mentions on the second round. Last of Us, the original. Where the daughter is killed in the beginning of that, I was like, what the fuck? Like, it sets the entire tone of the game after that. Like, and it happens so early on that, you know, to call it badass is, is kind of interesting, but it, I, I've never it's had. It's heartrending, isn't it? It is. It's, it's, it's horrible, but it also is badass in a way in that, like, it does. I've never seen a single event drive the tone for the rest of the game as that that has driven the rest of the game. And like I said, it happened so early that you end up like, what the fuck, man? And then you just see this like disheveled human being of a dad like later on because it skips into where Joel is like trying to figure out his place in like a post-apocalyptic wasteland and he's working with people as mercenary. And, you know, it's just like it, it really gives because you spend the entire first part of the game playing as her right and like walking around the house and like looking for her dad and then you watch all this shit happen and then she fucking dies and then you're just like oh my god like really and then it also drives the tone with ellie um in that game which is the other little girl uh that joel meets in the first game and who it entirely uh, revolves around right um it it drives that bond that he has with her and it makes her a character that you're invested in. So I think that that was probably one of my most. Well, and if I'm remembering correctly, like that's where everything kind of, is that where everything just kind of comes to a head right there with Joel and Ellie? So no. So in the beginning, um, the, the pandemic or whatever is just first announced, right? He has a neighbor that, like he has to kill right because he the neighbor comes to the back class door him and his his brother and his daughter leave the house um she's killed at the end of that sequence it's in the first hour of the movie and then um at the i guess maybe you're referring to the end of the game oh that's the end of the game yeah 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 Um, Yeah. and it's not a spoiler because this game's been out for forever um, so if you're that's one game, I wish I could play. I'm like, if this I've is always... a spoiler for you, then I don't know what what is. But like, he ends you up procrastinate too much. <laughs> he <laughs> ends up he ends up killing um, yep. the leader of the Fireflies because she wants to take Ellie's brain out um, to study it because she's the cure for it. And he's like, nope, I'm not going to lose another daughter. Like essentially, by the <laughs> end of that game, and he's he just mercs her, which is another yep. badass moment in that game because you're like usually it would not go that way. Like that is a picture. Oh, it was totally unexpected. Yep. Yep. It's, it's yeah. the picture of a man at that point of like, mm-hmm. you know, um, what I would have done, not what like a, a protagonist in a game would have done. 
Right. Like in, and it subverted a lot of expectations. I'm getting goosebumps, dude. Like he lied. And then he remember he like, he lies to her. Yes. And tells her that they've quit searching for the cure. Yep. And then they continue on and he dies. And that's where the second game picks up is like, there's Joel is dead and it's just uh, Ellie. He gets killed in the second game. You dingus. He get, he does get killed in the second game, but I mean, that's where that story picks up with her, right? Is that Joel dies and now she's left on her own to kind of figure shit out in front of her. It's like, well, okay. Yeah. He doesn't die. He gets fucking killed in front of her. Yes. Yeah. But the ending of that game, everything was so ambiguous there at the end, you know, it was a real cliffhanger. You know, and there's times in that game where you're just like sitting at a campfire with Ellie and he's teaching her how to play the acoustic guitar. Right. And like all of that would not have been as significant if it were not for how that game started and what had happened to him prior to, to those events happening. And so, yeah, um, you know, one of my favorite and most badass to me moments in the game, because that's a huge risk to take. Um, first of all, killing a child. Like that rarely ever happens in video games. Um, and secondly, using that as a plot device to set up the overall feeling of the game throughout its entirety. Yeah. It's that's pretty that's pretty awesome. That that's good. I was thinking of like, you know, big bombastic moments, but that, you know, something as small as as that in the beginning of the game, you know? Um, yeah, I think that's a that's a really solid pick. So what's your runner up, Evan? so I think um, my runner up, which I almost initially went with was, and it's because I've replayed the game recently. um, The remastered version of uh, Batman Arkham Asylum. I think we touched on it on another episode at some point, but it's when you first, um, uh, when you first get uh, gassed, by scarecrow and the game starts to glitch up on you right but not only that that's pretty sick you know you start hallucinating and but then it just keeps going and you when you end up in the battle with scarecrow for the first time and he's just this massive thing you know and he's looking for you peeking over the walls and things like that um that was pretty epic for me that really sticks out in my mind a lot like a rare good use of stealth mechanics in a boss fight, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Because that yeah. was real spooky. Yeah, just that whole sequence. Like, I, I remember kind of freaking out when uh, the game, like, malfunctions, you know? Uh, and just about the time you put your controller down, right, to get up and try to figure out what the fuck is happening, um, it comes back online. You know, it's a great gotcha moment uh, that that really stands out for me. I, I think that was sort of my honorable mention. Nice. My honorable mention is from Kyle's game, actually, Mass Effect 3. The most badass moment of that whole game for me and like the whole franchise for me is when you got to get the Thresher mod to take out the Reaper on the Krogan planet. And like just that cutscene and the fight between the two of them, like the Reaper like trying to like figure out where the fuck it is and like laser it and it just like coming out of the ground and like snatching that thing and like circling it up and dragging it down into the sand. Like that's probably my favorite cutscene I've ever fucking watched. That thing is I can still to this day like throw that on and watch it real quick and get goosebumps or something because it's just sick to watch that thing. Like Reapers are supposed to be so tough. And to watch one just get like 
devoured by a snake is fucking awesome. Well, in the one of my ones, it has to deal with the Thresher Maw too, and it's the one where you actually have to fight the Thresher Maw. Um, for I think it's Rex's side story in one of those games. I can't remember which game it is. It may be three. Um, it, is, it might be the same mission, but like earlier yeah. on, or ha- having yeah. to actually do that combat too was fucking crazy. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I'd have to say for my other one was it was a cutscene in Halo Two when he's Master Chief is dropping that bomb into the Covenant airship when he drops it in space and he just says when she's like, "What if you miss and I won't?" I just got chills the whole time. That's what got me to fall in love with the game so much. Yeah, I agree. That's like one of the coolest. That's uh, that's like one of my top five cutscenes without question. Awesome. Yeah, I have some Halo moments that I almost picked too. There's so many good ones. How about the like, shooting the portal at the moon in Portal 2? Yes. Yeah, that's a pretty fucking <laughs> just bombastic moment in the game. Now that you know, I'm... I never finished that. I never finished Portal. I loved Portal 1. I never finished Portal 2. Yeah. Dude, so yeah, the final fo- boss fight. There's like one off-the-cuff like uh, moment with... Did you get to the part where it's Omni-Man's voice actor? Ooh, I, I don't know. It's been so long since I've played that. He's like the CEO of the factory. He's there's a whole sequence where you're running around and he's hollering shit in the background. And there's one point where he mentions that they figured out that moon dust is portable. Like you can put portals on moon dust covered surfaces. Mm-hmm. At the end of the game, you're like getting your ass beat by Wheatley, and he's like about to kill you, and the ceiling gets ripped open, and you like look up and see the moon, and you're like, oh, sick. And like, yeah, the portal like sucking you guys out and shit, and Gladys like catching you at the last second. I still have that. I I should go back and play it. You really should. Also, the fucking cutscene after that happens too. You know what I mean? With just Wheatley on the moon. (laughs) (laughs) He's like talking to you in space. Yep. (laughs) And the song, the fucking song for the credits. I'm honestly annoyed with Evan right now because I really want to download Bioshock Infinite after this because I really actually missed that game. Such a fucking good game. You know, it's funny, side note about Infinite, my stepdad, he doesn't play a lot of games. He plays some, right, like uh, with Evan's dad where he'll pick up some things and play. Um, he, he actually played all the way through Infinite, <laughs> which I was very surprised. He played it on PC. And he finished Infinite, and he's like, have you played this game? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. That's let, awesome. Let me tell you. <laughs> did he play either of the first ones? He never did. No. those were That was just the one. And I was like, you know, that works because you can play that in some kind of isolated fashion, and it does explain, like, the lighthouse thing. And, you know, it, it does cover some of that stuff without you having to have predecessing knowledge of the titles. It, it helps if you do. But um, he he was like, I, I love this game. And I was like, yeah, it's, it surprised me when he told me that. But that is pretty fucking interesting. Because, yeah, I don't think of Tom as like a gamer to like sit down and spend the time to do something like that. No. no. no he enjoyed Final Fantasy, right? Yeah, Final Fantasy, well, Grand Theft Rock Auto, Land. right? He played Grand Theft Auto and he would just get in there and like play a couple of missions and then you know run over people with a car and then he's like yeah i'm done with this that's fun right and then flight simulator and stuff like that he would play but that was the one that i was like really like you 
you played that he Evan he played Pony Island, which was interesting. Like it because Pony Island is the same developer that does Inscription, and it's about you being in this like arcade cabinet that's possessed by Satan. Right? <laughs> it's fucking dope. But he's like he played all the way through Pony Island, and but Bioshock was the one that I was like, really, you played all the way through that? And he was like, yes, I love this game. And I was like, wow, fuck yeah. Like, now we have something to talk about. Like, <laughs> let me tell you why I have these tattoos. You know, that was, it was an interesting moment. But what were your other Halo moments, Evan? Um, so for me, uh, it's the Halo one where when you first come across the flood for the first time, just because, you know, up to that point, you don't have any knowledge of them. You know, and it's just super creepy. You're you're kind of going you're going through that area, and there's all you're seeing is um, all of the dead arbiters and things like that. And you're like, "What the fuck killed these things?" You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, then you start seeing the little I forget what the little foot soldier, the little um, tentacle floods are. Yeah. Oh. Uh, and then they chase you and you just, you, you're like trying to book it out of there. Um, that was an early one for me, for sure. I'm trying to think of more and I'm failing. Oh, I mean, I've got another one. The, so God of War, um, the, where you fight Poseidon. Yeah. That one was killer. I thought, yeah, man, I thought that was so cool. Um, just the way he, just the way he looks and all of the, the horses and stuff made out of waves. Yeah. Oh, that was a, that was a killer scene. A great mean, fight. too. Yeah. There was some, God, I only played God of war one and two, but I watched God of war four, but even watching it, I got chills just when he first interact with Norman Gunder, when the world's, yeah. when old serpent finally like talks, that was like, I could watch that uh, video, like all cutscenes every time. I would love to play that game, and I probably will eventually when I go PS a PlayStation. It's like I completely agree. It's like a pleasure to listen to that fucking snake talk. Yep, its voice is so cool. Like that game was just in general just a beautiful story. Yeah, and like that one has multiple super badass moments. Like that first fight with Balder in the very beginning. Yes, mm-hmm. Kratos is like telling him to get off his fucking porch. Like. Yeah, and they fracture the planet like around them <laughs> while they're fighting. Like the last fight with Balder is crazy. Like towards yep. the end of the game, um, when you see the what is that? Justin the the frozen giant, like that's halfway in the ground. Like I can't remember. Oh what yeah, that dude, is. that one's really the cool. Big fucker. Yeah, yeah the big. That giant that's like a whole level. Yeah, and you end up like traversing the giant. Like Justin and I played that one together. I have fond memories of that game because I brought the PlayStation over on Mondays and we would play through God of War together or he would come over to my house. And that was uh, the, was that Helheim? That whole yep. area is fucking nuts. <laughs> Killing the dragon. Yes. That whole boss fight is pretty interesting. There's a couple on this list that I was looking at that reminded me of some. There's one where in Metal Gear Solid, I think Evan's probably the only one that may remember this, but when Psycho Mantis breaks the fourth wall in, I can't remember which, oh, it was the original Metal, Metal Gear Solid game. Um, He did shit like he was like going to uh, erase your save data 
right and that kind of thing like it, it was one of those first instances where it was showing like oh I'm, I'm gonna fuck with your stuff right and it pulls the same thing as like the scarecrow fight does where it makes you it turns off your console and things like that um stuff like that the would you kindly moment in bioshock oh, that's a great one yes that's number five on this list um yeah that's a, that's a great one trying to think here john marston's last stand from red dead redemption the first one um what about uh, the like uh no russian no Russian. oh yeah yes that is actually a really good one <laughs> yeah, yeah that was i remember playing that at yeah. dylan's house <laughs> call of duty for modern warfare the nuclear blast that was yeah, one i had that was a really about. good one too yeah. yes i could i would play that mission over and over and over again just to like watch the explosion and shit I try to see how far I could walk. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This one here, I think Justin may be the only one that... Did you play the original Dark Souls? Yeah. This one says Ornstein and Smaug. Yeah. Uh, Like, interesting. I I knew about them going into it, but I could see, like, if you were playing Dark Souls for the first time, and you're like, all right, boss, boss, boss. And then like a second dude shows up to the fight and you're like, what do you fucking mean? I could see that being very intense. Like, yeah. yeah. This one, let's see here. If there's anything else that's, there's one on here. It's like choosing your first Pokemon and Pokemon red and blue. I was like, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. Okay. Moment. Like pretty decent. Go with badass. Not badass, but a decent moment. <laughs> You know what's interesting to me is we haven't got anything from Gears of War. There's well, a, I mean, I mean, it's it's still the sad part with Dom, but and like also when he has to shoot Maria in the head, that was all. That's like my two like where it was tough for me. But there was like I don't really know. There wasn't like a whole lot of. I can think of one badass moment from Gears of War. And that's when Cole gets introduced in the story. Yes. And he has that whole sequence where he like sticks a grenade to the back of one of the, he like shotguns another one. And like, that was dope. Also like, where you find him in one of the later games too, where you re-meet up with him. Isn't is he that... like, isn't he like making a stand by yes. himself? Yeah. yeah. I mean, any badass moment Gears is with Baird. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> Did you guys ever play Spec Ops The Line? Yes. Uh, it says the white phosphorus moment in Spec Ops The Line. I wouldn't call that badass, though. <laughs> <laughs> I would call that very much the opposite. <laughs> if you come out of that feeling badass, you got something going on with you. <laughs> Pyra- Pyramid Heads Reveal Scarecrow's Nightmares listed on here. A bunch of the ones that we talked about are listed on here. Did you finish Inside? Justin, I know you played um, the one before that. Uh, Limbo? Limbo, yeah. Inside was cool, it especially says, the end. It says of becoming it. the blob, yeah, at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Let me see. I don't know that that was epic, but it was it was pretty cool. Yeah, I played a- that game almost straight through. I really enjoyed that one. Nuking Megaton in Fallout Three. Oh, yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, I never I had the heart in me to nuke it though. I was going to say shooting a hole in Mars for fucking Doom Eternal was pretty badass. Yes. Yeah. Launching yourself in the cannon was cool. Yeah. <laughs> trying to think if there's any other notable mentions here. Mass Effect 2, where Shepard dies. It's where it's listed on here. 
as an epic moment in gaming. I mean, also playing as epic moment in gaming was going. I thought an epic moment too in Halo was uh, fighting Tartarus, the final boss. That was Halo Two. Yep. I feel like Halo's it go against the hammer flat for me. Oh yeah, after Halo Two, they never really genuinely had a boss fight like that. Yeah, and then they didn't Guardians. They had a few. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember <laughs> some annoying ones. I don't remember this moment, but it says there's one in Mass Effect Two called Morden's Song. Um, Morden Solus, the scientist, mm-hmm. um, says he like busts out in some song that's pretty epic in that game. I don't remember that happening. You know, I could also say what was a badass moment was the first time I ever played Assassin's Creed and you jumped off a building. Yes. Yeah, dude. That was a insane feeling because you, I know I wouldn't do a jump like that in real life and just some hey, fuck that. That's true. Those like every even still like a real good leap of faith playing like Assassin's Creed Odyssey still feels really good. It's just fun to like watch the fall happen. Mm-hmm. There's one listed in here for Undertale, which is dating Papyrus, <laughs> which I think is funny. <laughs> that and um, the hotel from Limbo, Justin, finding the hotel. I don't know what the yeah, that is. That but... was like one of the more visually stunning pieces, but yeah. a game in general is not like a badass set piece game, you know? Dishonored. I'm actually playing it for the first time right now. It's kind of a snooze. Dishonored 2, the Jindosh riddle. I remember this. It's the door. Yeah. With all of the, the, uh, the that whole fucking level. Because that's the time traveling level. Time traveling level where you're like dip in and out of the future and the past or like the present and the past yeah. and like enemy placements update based on like time passage. So you got to like time that shit as you're like sneaking around the guards in the present. You'll go back to the past. Cause you know that the guards back then were in a different spot. Like that was, that level is one of the most incredible pieces of game design that I've ever seen. I, I got another one actually BT sacrificing himself for you at the end of Titanfall two. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's a sad one. Yeah, but it was also fucking so sick. <laughs> that guy was uh, some That's some Iron Giant. <laughs> you stay, I'll go. <laughs> protocol 1. Yeah. Uh, I wish no, they would bring that game one. back. I know. That, that deserves a sequel more than anything I've ever played. Titanfall 2. Blame Apex Legend. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you'll never get one because Apex... Yep. <laughs> that was a good that was a good topic. There's quite a few there that was like a trip down memory lane because I didn't remember some of those moments, but I think the um part where you fight um have you played all the way through Dark Souls three? Justin? Oh yeah. Okay. So the in the DLC you go through the painting to Ariel or whatever. I can't remember what the actual name of the place is. But yep. you you fight the the lady there. Um, uh, the, she's the final boss, not Freed, yeah, Sister Freed, Sister Freed. Yeah, that that fight is crazy. Evan and I did that together. We played that multiplayer with two players, and she's fucking insane. The part yeah, you where do she, it by yourself. Yeah, when she becomes Black Flame Freed, Freed. Let me tell you, it was a fucking nightmare. But when she becomes Black Flame and he like starts talking right after you've killed him and her 
like that part is super like that'll get your hair standing up on end because you like she gets up and you're like fucking come on <laughs> yeah evan and i had that where it was just like we get all the way through this fight we're barely hanging on right and she gets the fuck back up and we're like oh god god damn it. she's she's tougher in every way like i i've got another one from dark souls 3 actually um did you ever fight uh what's his name Slave night gale no the corrupted dragon yes what is his name um fuck evan is that the one where we have to actually is that the one you have to go up to the dragon place dragon reach or whatever no no no, this is the black dragon because he's consumed with darkness. I'm pretty sure, Dylan, that's the one that we where we dropped off of the ledge on top of his. Oh, on, on top, top of, of his him. head. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was cool. Yeah, what yeah. We wrecked him. Name. That one was one of my least favorite boss fights because it was kind of cheesy. You could cheese that boss fight by just dropping yeah, we down on top him. of its head. And I didn't feel bad about it that way. Oh, that's not that's yeah. not that one. That's not that one either. Hang on. Okay. There's lots well, of dragons in that game. Know. You gotta forgive There's me. Tons of dragons. There's a bunch of Dark Eater Medir, thank fucking God. Is the person I'm talking about. So did you guys ever fight him? What you have to remind we, me we where that, every, yeah, we, we fought, fought everything every in Dark Souls. We we hundred percented that game so, and the DLC. Yes. Medir is the one that is like pretty close to when you get to the Slave Knight Gale fight at the end of the second DLC. And it's like in a hidden area, so you go up an elevator and you have to roll off the elevator into a secret area and then run in there and you drop down into this like big old cabin. Oh yeah. Yes. yes. And you fight that big dragon who's like been consumed mm-hmm. by darkness. Yep. What his because you can just stand right where you land and let him approach you and he won't actually hit you. But his first like opening sequence of attacks as he like thrashes his way across the arena towards you is fucking incredible. And like fighting that thing in general is really cool because it's so huge and it feels epic. The Slave Knight Gale fight in that game is fucking awesome too. Um, one of the harder epic. fights of the game. Yep. And then um, the end boss of that game where you go into the big caldera looking thing and fight that dude who's got all of the abilities like where you can change through magic and um, ranged and shit like that. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Like that, that arena is one of my favorites with the flowers and like the dark sign in the sky above you and all that going to back to that area right at the end of the game. So where you're, sanctuary is or whatever i'm having a hard time remembering the names of places in that game but where you where your firekeeper is right um mm-hmm. in that game and then you go into like the dark version of that right and you fight like the second gunter there like the second round of gunter and all that champion that gunter. yeah champion gunter yeah that yeah. shit is awesome <laughs> that's pretty crazy and it sucked because a lot of that area you couldn't do two player so Evan and I had to go through large portions of that alone, and it was the first time in the game that we've had to do that. And so it was like, ew, ew, I don't like this, ew. <laughs> it's scary. Well, I think we mentioned just now that one of the really cool things about that Slave Night Gale fight is the music, and that 
is a good way to segue into, I think it was your topic, right, Dylan? Yep. Yeah, what was your favorite soundtrack in video games? I was sitting there thinking about, um, I have one in an honorable mention. I just want to knock both of them out at the same time here because they're pretty quick. Um, But the um, Doom soundtrack for the original Doom, um, uh, the remake, not the original, sorry, but the first remake entry into the Doom series, um, fucking awesome. And all of the subsequent soundtracks after that are great, but I, I distinctly remember listening to the Doom Slayer song like a bunch on repeat, right? Uh, on YouTube when I'd be working. <laughs> like that was fucking dope. It's workout music. It's, I would say I've listened to that specific soundtrack more than any other soundtrack except for my pick, which I will deliver on my turn. That was going to be a pick. That was actually my number one as well was Doom, but I, I have a, I have a second one. All right, I'm going to withhold my honorable mention and we'll go to Justin here because we'll, I want to, I don't want to disqualify anybody else's picks, but I'll run with the cop out answer, which is Guitar Hero Two slash. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because those did get me into a lot of different types of music that I was not into before, like Rage Against the Machine or anything from like the '90s, really, or like anything older than that, some '70s music. There was a lot of young musical influence to be had for me from those games. So, specifically, Guitar Hero Two and Three. Evan, what do you it think? picks. Um, for me, it was um, Brutal Legend. That's a good one, <laughs> dude. Like I loved that soundtrack, and what was cool was um, there were there was actually it, like three or four artists uh, that I got turned on to from playing that game. I'd be playing, I'd be like, "What is this that I'm listening to?" Um, and went out and. Uh, at the time when that was out was still when you could get CDs. So, um, what's a CD yeah. old man? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, brutal legend for sure. A great soundtrack. Uh, and there's, there's still, uh, bands that I listen to that, uh, I found, uh, from playing that game, strapping a young lad to name a few or one <laughs> strapping young lad to name one. <laughs> Does Kyle? that leave Kyle? Yeah. Uh, well, mine was, uh, of course, the Halo 2 soundtrack. I always listened to that in school. Yeah, um, pretty dope. My favorite band, Breaking Benjamin, I wish I didn't know was in Halo 2 when they played the song Blow Me Away. And I was just shocked when I played Halo 2 and I heard it. I was like, no way. That's why Kyle truly loves Halo, because he got surprised by Breaking Benjamin at a foundational time in his life. Yep. And it like set a golden memory. Like That's that exactly it. Film. Yes. Pretty much. Yes, it like <laughs> carved that shit into his brain from then on yes. out. <laughs> Only the strongest will survive. Right? That yeah, fuck was, yeah. That's one of the most badass moments, though, is like the second time that song kicks in is when you're like running through the Covenant base. And yep. like, you can let them fight each other, and you run in that yeah. room, kicks in, and they're like, they're like running, jumping across the fucking room, like. <laughs> That yep, was, seeing Brutes yeah. and Elites and Hunters all fighting each other it was the best thing. <laughs> that was incredible. All right. I brought that up as a moment. I guess that's some, an easy to forget. Yeah, I've got some runner-ups. Right. I do too. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna nail my two out and then I'll hand it off. Um, Tony Hawk's Underground had one of the best um, 
like license Tony Hawk generally. Yeah. Licensed music soundtracks. Generally Tony Hawk just kills it. Uh, But I remember the underground games in particular being that way because it had a lot of that like pop punk and uh, CKY and CKY. (laughs) Yes. Like all of that very early um, kind of metal punk influence in my life was, was from underground. I played a gross egregious amount of that game. Um, as a young guy and then um, Persona 5 about, so that was those I learned were... about Atmosphere fuck Persona 5 we're gonna keep talking about Tony Hawk okay. I learned about Atmosphere from Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 Static X um, <laughs> yeah yeah like who... <laughs> do you remember watching Halo Static X music videos yes I do yes and like anime Static X AMVs on on YouTube right like that was a big part of my growing up and like Hoobastank, you know, a couple of those like bands like that. Um, Mudvayne comes up a few times in um, Tony Hawk games. And that was something that we, Justin and I paid early teen money to buy Mudvayne um, videos on the Xbox. Video. Cause you could buy the music videos and watch them on your Xbox. I remember that. That's a throwback. Yeah. <laughs> those are still attached to my account, by the way. I can still pull those videos and like watch them on on Xbox, which is interesting. Um, yeah, but those that was Persona Five has this really cool curated um soundtrack. It's very um Thieves in the Night kind of themed. There's no licensed music in there, but it's all done um really, really well. And and that's something that when you're going to play a game for 500 hours, you better have some good music to listen to, right? Cause it better not be repetitive or shitty. So that's, those are my two runner ups, but what about you, Evan? Do you got any runner ups over there? He's sound muted. Like it. I did not. No, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I only had, uh, you got me. I only had doom and brutal legend, uh, listed. What about you, Kyle? So one of them is just a funny one was, uh, it's stupid, but in Command and Conquer Red Alert, the theme song in the beginning with Soviet Russia. <laughs> oh my god, it's like techno and just metal together. That's pretty like good. This, it's like, I would listen to that when I would work out. Just hearing the Soviets just singing their national anthem in some death metal techno. And then, I would have to say, because I really actually started re-downloading it, but I remember playing GTA San Andreas, a lot of the radio, I learned like a lot of good rap when I was little, just listening and cruising along, just driving to that music. I was like, this music stick. GTA was another one of mine, too. It's a fucking solid franchise. Yes. GTA 5 also has incredible soundtracks. Like, and San Andreas, absolutely. Like, so much fucking 90s hip hop. How fucking just kill a man? You're like fucking 12 (laughs) years old. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, right. Well, I've got three runner ups that we haven't talked about. I'm going to start with my obvious one, Rocket League. <clears throat> Rocket League's just always got a fantastic EDM bangers for lobby music, and it's fun to log in and see what they've got for the new season or whatever every now and then. And then after that one, Fallout 3 in New Vegas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cause I could... This is three dog. Ow! <laughs> yes, dude. <laughs> and Mr. New Vegas. I loved him, too. Like, What's the what's the twenties, um, music group that we got really into because of Fallout Three was the Spots. the Ink Spots, yeah, 
Yeah. Yep. Fucking fire, bro. Justin and I as like young kids listening to the ink spots. We shouldn't know anything of what that is or like what you know, like it's way out of our time. But yep. and then um I got spurs that jingle jangle. I mean, yep. come on. <laughs> and uh you know what that brings up for me though is Robbie Thomas's Beyond the Sea because it's featured in Bioshock One. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. As you're like walking down the steps and you hear the violin playing one hundred percent. Yeah, I'm just like that that shit. I still listen to that song to this day. And then my last one is Mario. Mario has an iconic soundtrack. I think like every Mario has a well curated soundtrack. And same for like the Zelda games as well. Like if you played like Ocarina of Time in particular strikes a memory for me because I'm like, yeah, that every area had its own song, right? And then there's like a litany of techno remixes to those songs to this day on YouTube because they're so prolific, but. Yep, Mario's, all of that era was good at like inoffensive background music that you can get real stuck in your head. Well, that was a good conversation. Appreciate that, fellas. Let's see what our next one is here. We've got, what is your gaming hot take for 2021? Dylan, you're good at hot takes. You want to start us off? Fucking games are garbage, bro. That's my hot take. No, I'm kidding. I was going to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I think that, um, I think one of the hottest takes that I pulled away from this year in gaming and last year in gaming was that, you know, it's fucking okay to delay a game. Like that was like a hot take that, and I only really classify it as a hot take because it's very counter to the entirety of my life, right? That like I've always lived under the credence that delaying a game is, is not good. Right. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, it's just you're like, you're wasting my time. I'm waiting for a game. Right. Like I didn't understand or appreciate the quality that comes from a decision like that until, um, this year in particular and last year. And that like, it's okay to delay a game like cyberpunk showed us, right? That like, if you don't delay a game and you don't take your fucking time with it, it ends up a garbage fire. Right. Like, and reasonably set expectations along with that. But you know, that's, that's my hot take is like fucking delay a game if you need to. Like, I don't, I don't give a shit. Like, as long as I get a better product out of it, like it's fine. Um, you know, even if I died tomorrow, right, not getting to play your game, I'd rather have taken the chance the other way that, you know, you get a better product out of it and take your time with it than to rush something like that. I think that's probably one of my favorite hot takes of this year. I'm going to, I'm going to follow yours up with mine because it's sort of in a similar vein. It's not exactly the same, but like for me, my hot take is I'm sick of AAA games. I, I don't need another massive, expansive experience that can become my new second life and my new time dump, and i got to invest all my time in your season pass and yada, yada, yada. I, I'm i sick of long games. I'm, si- I'm sick of bigger is better. I think that now less is more. I think we've like entered that time in gaming. When you're able to do like something like Control did, where you tell a controlled and contained story and you just tell it to the audience and it's engaging, I think that is a more effective way to create a game and create something I want to play and spend money on than like season passes or free to play, but 
like our model is you keep spending money on skins or whatever the hell it is or like assassin's creeds just bloat i agree i fucking hate it like there are very well and evan's the first one to kind of chime in on stuff like this where he's like you know blizzards going to shit and activism activision shit but there's some credence to that right like it's true like triple a games in total are a fucking time sink on everyone's behalf right they're not respectful of my time as a gamer they're pinning up a ton of time for development studios which could have fostered like shorter better experiences um right and i think that kind of goes hand in hand with a lack of ip right like we're getting these like redos of assassin's creed we're on like how many assassin's creeds now at this point and they haven't gotten the point of like give me a fucking assassin's creed game that's not 500 hours long please i don't want to do that like give me you know a 50 hour assassin's creed experience that's clear concise open and fun like give me that like and take your time doing it like i don't need one every year like yeah Right. that your game doesn't need to be a yearly franchise and it doesn't yes. need to be a yearly franchise that's bloated with content just there's too many good games out there there's the indie market there's the like double a market there's so many good games to play that it's just impossible to you're not going to be able to lock my time down like that so quit fucking trying with your business model <laughs> yep and like the there are only very rare exceptions to that rule for me right like I'm very interested in playing Starfield, which is um, Bethesda's new, you know, space fallout. Like, and I'm okay with that being a long game, but they were very upfront with what it is. They were very upfront with how long it was going to take for them to develop it. And I have clear set expectations of like what something like that's going to ask of me, right? A fire emblem, right? Triple A Nintendo title, gonna take me 500 hours to complete but that's okay right because i don't have another fire emblem to go to that's coming out every year (laughs) like you know i'm okay with spending that time with that like but i yeah you're right like a hundred percent i'd rather see a well executed double a title and they're talking about like quadruple a titles at this point i'm like fuck that like what is that even like i don't understand what that nomenclature is like give me a control like give me a psychonauts right give me games like that that are not necessarily triple a games but that are so fun and so whatever the rats a plague's tale yes yeah a plague tale is a great example of that and we're getting a second one and you know what i'm really looking forward to fucking playing that game like i'm really looking forward to that Yep. Like, um, you know, there there are very few exceptions to that rule, but you are right, a hundred percent. I, you got the Dylan stamp of approval on that one. Don't don't fucking waste my time like that. I also think that's because we are all a little older now, yeah, right, and we have responsibilities. But we are also the primary game market. Like, kids can't afford games right adults can afford games so maybe start tailoring that approach a little bit to your primary buying audience right like right you know so that's i i 100 follow suit with that um f- fuck fuck assassin's creed is what i mean to say <laughs> just let that just let it die let ubisoft do something else god damn it like something fun that's a 
that's where actually my segment's going for this. I want to see some more creativity. I'm not a big multiplayer. I want to see more story. I want to see some more passion in the story in a video game. I'm tired of battle royale games. I'm tired. I don't want that to be video games now. Is more battle royales and for me, I want to see more games where you get to enjoy games with your friends. I want like like I wish like one game I do enjoy Subnautica. I wish that was yes. a multiplayer game to play with your friends. I think that'd be more enjoyable to play with your friends. So endless possibilities instead of just getting annoyed that you and your team lost in a fire in a multiplayer capture the king of the hill or stay on the point. I agree. Like I would rather have a good story, you know, at this point than have I mean wouldn't Apex don't wouldn't you have fun instead of playing Call of Duty with me, you'd rather play Phasmophobia and have fun and get scared with by a ghost. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not a AAA title by any means, but we make a lot of fun out of that game. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. Evan, what's your hot take for the year? I think we could I think we could all agree on this, but I think if your game has microtransactions or loot boxes, it should be free. Yeah. Yeah. 100% if you're going to monetize it that way or choose to monetize it that way, there's a, you can't make me pay $70 for a game that you're going to You have to pay to win. You shouldn't have to buy it. <laughs> yeah, that too. Like, pay to win is complete garbage. Um, I, I don't see where the fun is in that at all. Um, but I'm, you know, for, for a while, it started looking like that's the way everything was going to go. And that we were all just going to get bent over, you know, for loot boxes and microtransactions and things like that. Um, and and even with DLC, like some DLC is okay if it adds to the story, but hiding things behind paywalls that should be included with the game as well is it's just bullshit, right? Um, you know, so, but I, I don't feel, and maybe it's just because I've moved away from those games. I don't feel like I see it um, as much as I expected it, say, like two years ago. Um, yeah, when it was like in where, its most prevalent, you know. Yeah, it just seemed like everything was moving that direction. I, and I think a big reason that they even kind of stepped off away from that is because, um, Child they were getting gambling. they were getting sued for child gambling and things like that and and being predatory you know um but i yeah i don't think that's what it's about if as far as uh making a fun game um you know all you're doing is just s- squeezing people for cash you know what um, i'm i'm going to even further refine your point i think that loot boxes should just die entirely and you should just give me the option to buy whatever article of clothing it is that I want to buy. Or, you know, I think that that's like a stupid model of monetization. Well, like, you know, I, I don't mind it if it's something that you can, that you maybe get rewarded for playing the game. Yeah. Right. And yeah. then you get it right. You get a, uh, a chance to get a kind you know, a cool skin or something like that. Um, that seems okay. But, um, but having things that, I, things that I have to pay for, yeah. uh, it's frustrating um, because there was uh shit. I'm blanking out, but what was that game we were all playing with the uh, the gods, the arena style? Smite. 
Smite. I love that game. I had a lot of fun playing it, but part of what uh, kind of drove me away from it were was all of the microtransactions and stuff like that. It, it got really annoying. And, and to, to I give mean, Smite a little credit, at least you could get the skin that you wanted if you just bought it outright. But the cost was like exorbitantly high, right? Like you could get the hell skin where it had hers, the schoolgirl and the ghost, right? Like you could get that just outright if you wanted to. But the loot box was the cheaper option <laughs> for sure. It discouraged you. It actively discouraged you from doing that, right? Because it's like, oh, do you want to pay $20 for the skin or do you want to pay $3 for a roll on a loot box that it's in? Right. Well, and at least it wasn't play to win, you know, like I, I appreciated that fact that it was all cosmetic stuff. Um, but to think and and look in Smite's, um, you, you, you know, in Smite's defense, it is a free to play game. And I think that is the way it should be, just like uh, Fortnite. Right. Um, I hate Fortnite, but I appreciate that it is free to play. And then if you enjoy the game and you want to invest some money in it to get some cool stuff, like that's fine. You know, um, smite's free to play. Like I, I appreciate that. So I'm not going to go in too hard on smite um, and that it's cosmetic, but yeah, anything that you have to pay um, to be better at the game and, and, to win i think is is garbage and yeah if your game has microtransactions um like that or loot boxes i think it should be a free game every time otherwise give me what the fuck i paid for agreed well nice hot takes guys reckon that's us for the month sorry we had no game of the month hope you enjoyed the game of the year instead Next year, we will be doing the same game of the month we were supposed to be doing this month, Back for Blood. So stay tuned and keep an eye out for that. Thank you for joining us, and I'm going to throw it over to Evan for a special shout-out here before we sign off. All right. Uh, giving a shout-out to my youngest spawn, <laughs> uh, Adrian. Uh, she is going to be uh, finishing school. Yesterday was her... Last day of college. She's worked really hard and uh, very proud of her. So congratulations to you. Congrats, Adrian. You worked really hard Congrats. for it. Good job. Finished school oh, yeah. during a pandemic. Good yeah, job. and moved uh, moved halfway across the country to do it and left everything and everybody she knew and all of her friends behind and, um, you know, and her boyfriend and everything else to uh, come and, you know, be an adult and, try to start her uh start her life and her career so i i definitely wouldn't have had the balls to do that at, at her age so um you know I'm, I'm glad it skipped a generation so that's i don't know where she gets it from it's certainly not from me <laughs> well hell yeah man thanks for signing on and joining us and listening everyone have a great month peace everybody bye-bye all right, guys. Thank you.